The views and opinions expressed by the guests of the Diplosport podcast do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of any agency of the United States government or any organization, public or private. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the latest edition of the Diplosport podcast. In today's episode, I interview Tiff Roberts Sahedak, who is the head women's soccer coach at the University of Central Florida. I became aware of Tiff Roberts back when we were both on campus at the University of North Carolina when she was a standout on the women's soccer team there as an undergrad. I guess luckily for her sake, she didn't run around in the circles with the ROTC cadets, so uh, we didn't actually meet each other until I started working on sports diplomacy at the State Department. And Tiff has become one of our standout, most reliable sports envoys that that the State Department has sent out on our sports diplomacy programs. And our interview covers all around the world that she's gone and how she's shared the messages of her life lessons developed on the soccer field with her teammates, with not only the young women that she coaches at UCF, uh, actually, interestingly, along with her husband, who's uh, Tim Sahadak, another Tar Heels, who's her co-coach, Tiff also brings the lessons that she learns in soccer around the world with her. And I think there's a real powerful testament to how something as simple as the sport of soccer can bring people together, can help teach incredible life lessons, not just to little girls, but to, to boys and girls all over the world. So with that intro, I'll turn things over to me and Tiff. So yeah, we're we're sitting in a car at the Jefferson Cup right now. That's right. Uh, and who? How many teams are here? Oh, that's a good question. There's a lot. Yeah, and I mean, all over the country or just the East Coast? Actually, all over the country. Um, I watched a team from Marin FC yesterday, so right, you know, outside of San Francisco. Wow. So um, yeah, I guess high, all over. high schools. It's like spring break right now, so they can travel. Um, yeah, not necessarily everybody though. I mean, for college or for club soccer, these kids miss a lot of school just for club soccer. Mm. It doesn't have to be on a break or anything. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, w- it's pretty insane. Was it like that when you were growing up? Um, not, not as crazy. And where did you grow up? Um, San Ramon, California. So the East Bay area. When did you start playing? So I started playing when I was Probably like five or six years old, um, in the Bay Area, in my, my little hometown, San Ramon. Um, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have three older brothers. Oh, okay. Did they all they play? They all played. Yeah, they all played. Um, but you know, in California, um, we were a little bit ahead of the game. Soccer was already popular. So there are a lot of little girls already playing. So I actually played on an all girls soccer team growing up, um, where a lot of my teammates from the national team, like they had to play with boys because mm-hmm. they just, there weren't enough girls playing soccer. How do you think that informed your playing style? Just play, start being with girls? Just playing with girls. Yeah, I mean, I think it was fine. I mean, you hear all the advantages of, of the, the players. I mean, majority of or a lot of the girls from the national team actually played with boys growing up. Um, or I think I was a little bit different where I had to play. I was playing with girls. But um, I think it was fine because for me, it was uh, more about the bond that I created with my teammates. They were my best friends. We did summer parties, pizza parties. <laughs> and actually, that's why I fell in love with soccer was because of all the relationships that I was building when I was such a young age. They were just my best friends. I got the physical piece um, that I didn't get 
um, with my brothers. So I have three older brothers. They all played. And they played and we would play pickup in the backyard, 1v1. And we played all sorts of sports in the streets. And so even though I didn't play on an all boys team and get that um, competitive edge playing with boys, I just got it in the house. And what was the age spread? How old, how much older were your brothers? Oh, um, I think um, I should probably know this, right? But um, I now feel like we've gotten older. So now I can't remember. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. But it's like I have a brother who's like two and a half years older, five, seven, I think. Yeah. And were they any good? Yeah, of course. <laughs> no one became a professional athlete. <laughs> they were, they all, they all played like my brother closest age to me. Um, none of them played, um, college sports, but they all grew up playing, you know, youth sports and they all played different sports and a variety of sports where I really focused on soccer. It was like my passion. So that was the sport that I loved the most. And then I also ran track. So I did both of them. Whereas my other brothers, like the one close to age to me, I mean, he did everything that you can think of. Um, and the others played sports too, so. And when did you realize that you were special on the soccer field? Um, I, st- I still don't. No, no, probably no. never. <laughs> I just always feel like I'm, tr- I'm trying to just keep my head above water all the time. Um, when did other people you realize know, when, you were special? Like when I was like um, in junior, um, was it junior high or early yeah junior high um then my coach well yeah i I don't know there's this there's a olympic development program odp that was the way that that was like the only avenue um of like being recognized to play for the national team at the time and um i remember having to try out for like odp like state team and they didn't have an age group in my age so i had to try up try out for an age group ahead of me so I was really nervous and didn't, and I thought every the one there at the tryout was like so good you know and I didn't feel like I belonged and then we um I tried out I made the A team they made two teams and I made the A team so I was like the youngest of the A team for the California state team and then um we went to a tournament in Oregon and we played like or the state team from Oregon the state team from Washington so all you know kids representing their states and um the coach like emphasized to the team like to get me the ball so I was so confused because I thought I'm like why they want to give me the ball you know and and so like yeah and I was like I I thought everyone was so good and I was learning from everybody so honestly I never felt like I was like the best player but you know hearing coaches and they would tell me like you're you're special like something's gonna happen like you keep going like you're gonna be recognized and like a couple years later honestly like I was being brought up to the women's national teams. How old were you when you got brought up? So I was 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I was playing for the ODP team. I was playing interregional event in Thanksgiving, um, on Thanksgiving, um, in Boca Raton, Florida, actually. And they identified me there and they just brought me straight into women's national team camp from there. Did you have a driver's license at this point? Um, 16. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I don't even think I did. Who are some of your teammates? Okay, so when I was first brought in, um, actually my first training camp, that training camp, Brianna Scurry, it was her first training camp too. So we both had our first training camps with the senior women's national team together at the same time. We'll never forget that. Um, I remember Tisha Venturini. Uh, of course, I was like, Mia Hamm was my idol. So it was very weird to go into camp and be teammates with her there. Um, Fowdy, Brandy, oh, no, Brandy wasn't there. Um, Michelle Akers, Joy Fawcett, Carla Overbeck. I mean, all those 
names that so it, the, the legends of the legends were there and i was it, very terrified <laughs> i think i had a picture of mia from people magazine in my high school binder so i had all my high school work with me because when i would travel for soccer obviously i would have to bring all my my book bag with all my books and homework and everything and i had a picture of mia um, from a people magazine article slipped into my binder because i would you know how kids do that for inspiration and i was like oh my god <laughs> So embarrassed. Yeah. That reminds me of the first time I met you and I had you sign my sports illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't regret that. Beth. I mean, it was still a little embarrassing. But... <laughs> no. yeah. uh, so what year is this now? Okay. So that was in 1994. 94. So uh, did you play in the World Cup? In yes, in 95. Oh, wow. So I made, so my first training camp was in 1994. Mm-hmm. And then my first like international tournament where I made the traveling roster for a tournament was Portugal. So it was the Algarve cup. Um, and yeah, I went, I went and played in those games and got my first cap there. And, um, and then, so that was March. That was March of 94. And then the, the world cup in 95, I made for that following Summer, well, two summers later. And forgive me for not knowing my history. No, you're fine. Did we win in 95? We did not. So I played in three World Cups, 95, 99, 2003. Uh, 99 was actually the only World Cup that we won out of all three. So 95, we lost to Norway in the semifinal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then um, in 2003, we lost to Germany in the semifinal. And that was at home too. Actually, 2003 World Cup was supposed to be in China. And then the SARS. I remember it. So then, like with four months before the World Cup was supposed to start, no one knew where the World Cup was going to be. And they ended up playing it. So we ended up doing the United States because I feel like the United States was the only federation that could actually like put on a women's World Cup in in four months. You know, yeah, four months time. So it was kind of like this bummer World Cup because it was. I mean, we did a great job of putting together in such short notice, but. You know, it's a little bit last minute. Right. And so it kind of There's no had a weird, up. yeah, it was a weird feel, especially coming off of the 99 World Cup mm-hmm. where everything <laughs> was just amazing. So it was a little bit of a downer, that one. But um, that's okay. Uh, 95 World Cup, 96 Olympics, Olympics, Atlanta. Yes. Did you march in the opening ceremony? Yes. Yeah. Totally remember that. We, we won the gold. We won the gold medal. We So, you know, we had these... You know, outfits, the uh-huh. ceremony outfits. <laughs> they were a little funny. But, um, I, I, so you have to look like, you know, it needs to be press and you're representing the United States. It was a big deal, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, my jacket, my blazer, <laughs> I was with Tish Venturini and all of a sudden the athletes were like marching out it was before we were getting in the stadium. And, um, she like, tugged on me and she thought I was going in one direction and, and we were leaving this baseball stadium and going to the big stadium and my my blazer got stuck on the <sighs> thing and when she pulled me <sighs> basically the shoulder of my whole, whole blazer ripped off <laughs> so I went into the opening ceremony looked With like I got one sleeve yeah basically <laughs> like I gotten into a fight or something before um yeah so it was pretty ridiculous but what was what was it like um, being on the medal stand uh, after you had the gold medal put around your neck and you're hearing the anthem. Oh, I mean, that memory will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it was pretty amazing because um, I may have told you a story. But when I was younger, 
uh, I share the story a lot with like kids and when I do my sports diplomacy yeah. trips. Um, when I was younger, I watched the Olympics for the first time when I was like in second grade. And I remember watching Mary Lou Retton win her gold medal and Jackie Joyner, you know, soccer wasn't even in the Olympics yeah. for women yet. So I wasn't watching that, but, um, Jackie Joyner's a sports envoy too. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, that's amazing. Cause she was like my childhood idol. And so I just remember watching that on TV thinking, oh my gosh, that is, it just connected with me. I'm like, I want to be an Olympian. I was in second grade. It's my daughter's age right now. So I'm like, wow, I want to be an Olympian. That is exactly what I want to do. And from that point on, from second grade, I was so committed to that dream. Like I talked about it. I shared it. And so I actually have pictures. I have um, drawings of myself that I would draw for school projects you know whenever there was like what do you want to be when you grow up or it would be me drawing myself on podiums so I had this dream since I was in second grade so when you ask about how did that feel it was this unbelievable feeling because I had been thinking about it and drawing pictures of myself since the second grade and it actually came true when I'm standing on that uh, you know it's surreal so what I'm hearing you say and and let me know if I'm I'm putting words in your mouth is you saw other women female athletes reach the highest levels of sport and you said even though they weren't soccer players you wanted to be in their shoes yes I I mean is there a better I have goosebumps uh, talking about it (laughs) is there a better example of what you're doing around the world when you go out for a sports envoy now no look I I literally get the chills talking about it and you can you can see them because I feel like having that inspiration and that moment where I'm watching them on TV, it clicked for me. It inspired me. It kept me on track with my life. Like as a youngster growing up, you know, it helped me make decisions on, um, you know, start having a goal and then staying on track, you know, and it, it just kept me in line. Um, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So now that I have an opportunity to that's my whole goal when I do these sports diplomacy trips is, you know, maybe I could be that Jackie Joyner for someone else or that Mary Lou Retton for someone else and um, just inspire them and, and show them, you know, this is what I've done. And maybe that that fire will start burning for the for a, for a young girl somewhere, you know, we'll dig a little bit deeper okay. in the sports envoy in a yeah. sec. Uh, uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the role of Title IX sure. in your life. Sure. Uh, you know, first, wh- where'd you go to c- undergrad? Undergrad went to UNC Chapel Hill. I've heard of it. Tar Heels, girl. Yeah. We were actually on campus at the same time. That's crazy. (laughs) I was the nerdy guy in the the ROTC uniform. (laughs) Um, I would have made you laugh in class. (laughs) Yes, you would. Um, But uh, how'd you end up going to Carolina? And uh, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about women's sports at Carolina. Um, So I was recruited to go there. Um, Anson Dorrance actually was the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team at the time. That's not an unfair advantage. So a little bit. That's probably why he stopped being the uh, stopped being the Women's National Team coach. But, um, but yeah, so I had the opportunity to be coached by him before I was ever a college player. And then, so that was part of why I wanted to go to Carolina was um, I was very intrigued by Anson. He was only my coach on the national team for six months because he stepped down um, six months after I got brought in. So, um I was very intrigued by him. Um, the recruiting process was great um, with him. And then I also knew all my current teammates on the national team. Majority of them had gone to Carolina. My dream was like to stay on the women's national team as long as possible and develop as a soccer player. 
Um, and I thought that Carolina can had that environment in place um, for me to be the best player I can be. So, you know, just through the recruiting process, I went on my official visit and fell in love with Chapel Hill. And it was really a done deal. I had other official visits lined up. Um, like Notre Dame, I had lined up and, um, Stanford was on my list and, but I went, I went to Chapel Hill and I canceled my official visits to the other schools. I didn't even take that. Most people take all five and I didn't even go to one other. It just, I just followed my heart. I knew it. It was a done deal for you me. You just know. It's, yeah. You just know. I mean, I just that's knew. That's what college should be. It's yeah. Chapel Hill. Yes. And I, it was just like that perfect picture that I had of this is what I want my college experience to look like. And it was full package for me. So even though it was all the way on the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think what helped was that I had already been traveling with the women's national team. Oh, sure. So I already had that experience of going overseas and being on my own and getting on an airplane and by myself and meeting a team. So, um, to leave California, um, I love, I, yeah, I love experiences like that and just traveling. So for me, it was like my parents are always going to be there. My family's going to be there. I could always move back there. But here, you're, for four years, I can go do something completely different and experience something different, a different culture, and you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, boy, the it, south, it is a little know? different. Yeah. I, I like that southern charm. <laughs> like, I want to try this out. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was perfect. What made Anson such a good recruiter, and then what made him such a good coach? Well, I mean, the, I think the thing that he understands is that women want to feel cared for. They want to have a relationship and feel connected. Um, and he does a good job of that. Um, he makes you feel like you're valued and, um, he really, you know, told me a lot about what my strengths were and, and he builds your strengths up. And then the other thing is he is, um, one of the best. I mean, when he speaks, you're like mesmerized, you know, he's a, um, he inspires with his words, but he gets you really motivated and like pumped up to play in a game. He's so competitive. Every training session is so competitive. Um, and he, he gets the most out of you. Um, and you just want to play for him. You know, he mm. makes you want to play for him. And I think that's because of the relationship that he develops with you. How many national titles did you guys win together? Two. Two. Yeah. Did you play four years at Carolina? I did. I played all four of my years. I wasn't there in the spring sometimes because um, I was off with the national team, but I was there for full four falls. And when did you end up graduating? Oh, geez. Do we have to talk about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't graduate. Well, I'm proud to say that I graduated. Um, so that's a plus, but I, it took me 10 years. So I didn't graduate till I started in 95, but I actually got my diploma in 2005. But, I mean, you have an excuse. That, I went to World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I played yeah, professionally. Yeah. You're representing America. Yes. So, you know, I always um, knew, I mean, I knew that I wasn't not going to graduate. It was just, you know, suspended a little bit. What? As as a girl growing up playing a sport, and then as as a young woman playing at the highest levels internationally and collegiately, tell me a little bit about Title Nine and, and the role it played in your formation as an athlete. I mean, just the, the opportunity that it well, the opportunity say in college to be able to go and choose a university. I get an opportunity to choose any university to go play soccer and have it paid for. Um, so having that balance of having my academics paid for and getting to play at a really high level and developing my game um, at the highest level um, was just unbelievable. So it was this feeling shared by your teammates. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think, you know, back then when you're 19 years old, you're not really thinking about probably that opportunity. Now I'm older. So I look back and, 
Um, I realized what Title IX was. I didn't understand that when I was younger in college. I actually try to teach my my current players about this more often. You know, I try to educate them, make them like appreciative uh, people, you know. Um, I'm sure your players' moms could have played in college. Maybe some of them even did. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine that your mom some did, wouldn't no. have had, even if she wanted to. Yeah, no, and they didn't even have the opportunity. And you just think about what sport has done for my life. Like, soccer and sport has been has been my life. I mean, I met my husband through soccer, you know. I went to... um Financially, I was taken care of and got an education um, because of soccer. Um, you traveled the world. the world because of soccer. I've developed relationships with people around the world because of soccer and the sport. So um, to have that opportunity to play sports as a as a woman, and then think about all of the um, everything that sport teaches you as a woman, as far as um, self confidence and just being empowered by the sport. Um, I can't say enough about sports. So to have that opportunity in Title IX was, is, um, I owe everything to it, you know? Now, how, you, you know, from, from your early teens, you were, were one of the best women's soccer players in the world, even if you didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how did you know that it was time to transition from playing between the lines to, to stepping off the field? So, well, it was, so, um, that's always a hard transition, you know. Um, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall with the women's national team because I started getting less playing time, new coach, and I actually asked the coach um, in 2004. So I had made the 2003 World Cup team. 2004 Olympics, I actually did not make the team. I was um, I accepted the role as a alternate in 2004. So I just saw like my role kind of slipping with the U.S. women's national team. Um, so with the new coach that came in after the 2004 Olympics, I was pretty much at this place where I'm like, you know, I need, I need to know, like, am I in this or it's a huge commitment to stay fit and train and not not know if you're ever going to get called into a training camp, you know, and I felt good about my career at that point. So if it was time to move on, then I think I'd be okay with that. I just needed to know. So I actually called the coach at the time who was Greg Ryan at the time. And I just asked him, like, do you see me in the future? And he pretty much said, you know, I think we're moving on. And so it was like hard to hear, but, um, I needed to hear it so that I can, I can kind of move on and figure out what my next goals were going to be. And so, um, the next goals were to finish school, make sure that I finished school. And, um, actually I had finished school already. Um, it was just more of like, what are, what am I going to do next? And I knew soccer was a passion. That's what my expertise in, expertise was in. I had just married Tim. Soccer was his expertise. So we started, um, just coaching club soccer for San Ramon, the little club that I grew up playing for. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we moved back to California, got married. And national team was over. Oh, what I was going to say too about the transition out. Unfortunately, I think I would have loved to continue to play soccer, but, um, we didn't have a pro league anymore. The pro league, um, folded and I could have played overseas, but, um, I think I was, Tim and I had just gotten married and I didn't want to do that anymore. So playing soccer ended up being not a priority over being with, my husband in the same place because we had spent a lot of time apart, both being professional uh, soccer players. So, you know, it was like, no, unfortunately, there was no more professional um, 
league or else I think I would have continued to play professionally. Um, and then the opportunity to play for the U.S. wasn't there anymore. So it was like, you know what, it's time to move on. So we started coaching club soccer because we felt like that's what we knew we could do. We started our own little business um, running. Uh, we ran the summer camp. Uh, in San Ramon, um, in California. And I brought in Lori Fair and, um, Danielle Slayton and, um, one of my former teammates, Kristen Luckenbill, who played in the Olympics. Um, and we played together professionally. Like I, uh, Angela Hughley's. I mean, I brought in this superstar staff and, um, a lot it, of sports envoys. It was a hit. Yeah, yes. Right? And it was a hit. And, um, I mean, what a great experience. And my, the kids that came to that camp was an all girls camp. You know, and, um, how many girls? We had probably like 150 wow, little okay. girls that came, mm-hmm. you know, we had some amazing sponsors. We had scholarships to it. Um, yeah. And so that's just, that's kind of the route we started going into. And we were going to develop some type of business plan with this. And then all of a sudden, VCU called us out of the blue. Really? No idea. No idea. That never happens. And the athletic director at the time, he's a, a former or he was a Tar Heel. Uh-huh. So I think that's where the connection oh, yeah, came the, from. Yeah. The, the network is strong. The network yeah. is very strong. And um, they called us, say, hey, what do you think about college coaching, co-head coaches? So Tim and I went and checked it out. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. How long were you at VCU? Six years. And then from there, you've been at UCF? So yeah, for three for years. Two. So we're going on our oh, yeah wow. 10th. And you guys have had a pretty good run at, at UCF. You had a good run at VCU. Too. Yeah, we did. You know, we I mean, I'm really thankful um, to um, Norwood and um, Mike Ellis, who they were Carolina people, um, who gave us the opportunity without having, you know, been college coaches before, or even in the scene, really. Um, just to, to hire us, hire us. We, you know, had a, had a big learning curve and I know it's not rocket science, but, um, you know, just learning kind of how to manage a team and all of the pieces that go along with it. And, but speaking of Tar Heels, like yeah. the, the, the saying is that Michael Jordan would have a hard time coaching basketball because he, he is world class. He was mm-hmm. the greatest on the planet yeah. and, and he may not be able to identify with the guys that don't start and stuff yeah. like that. Was that an adjustment for you? It wasn't really at all because I think, um, for me, I played, I had a, I think one of the strengths of mine actually as a coach right now is that I have been in every role. Like I know I played on the national team, but I was a reserve on the national team for many years. You know, I, I know what it feels like to sit on the bench and, and have to be a team player, you know, and be selfless and appreciative. So, um, you know, I've, I've been a starter. I've been the captain of my pro teams, you know, one, one, one at the highest level. I've, I lost on my professional team. We went from, worst to first you know I've been in every role as a player so I feel like I can identify with my players um because I, I know what it feels like so I think it helps guide me how did the state department find you I don't know oh <laughs> did you did, I think did you get the the Pam Perkins email or? I think so at the time it wasn't Pam Perkins it was um Tom King. Oh, okay, sure. And I think I... Great, great guy also. Yes, yeah. great guy. I think I um, received an email one day from Tom King, um, and he asked if I would be interested in going to Uganda to represent the State Department with Kurt Onalfo. And... You had me at Uganda, Tom. Yeah, yeah. and I was like... And I had never been to Africa before. And... 
I'm like, sports diplomacy? This is amazing. Um, yeah, so it was kind of random, but I think it was just kind of this out of the blue. I mean, I was part of um, the U.S. Soccer Athlete Council. And so um, even though I wasn't playing anymore for the U.S. at the time, I was still involved with U.S. Soccer being on the Athlete Council. And um, so I, yeah, I had still had relationships within U.S. Soccer. I actually think I was currently on the diversity committee for U.S. Soccer, too. So maybe just that, you know, them doing some research. And where where have you gone with the State Department? Oh, so many wonderful. I should have done my homework on Yeah, no, thing. no, it's good then. We can talk about uh, yeah. it. Wonderful places. So Uganda was the first, uh, my sp- first uh, trip. Um, and then I went to um, the Philippines. Um, and then Tim and I went to in- Indonesia. Uh, Brazil twice. Um, did I say Thailand? You didn't say Thailand. Thailand. For the State Department, not with the, not with Sports United, but I went to Bordeaux, France. With IIP? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I went to Namibia. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. What do we do well when we send you out on programs? And we be in Washington, we being post, what what have you found like best practices? Best practices? Well, I feel, well, first I feel super safe and secure because I know my parents are always like, wait, are you sure? Like someone going to be with you? You know, like that's the first question like my parents ask. So now that I've gone through it, the, um, you know, just the pre-trip protocol, I don't know, like we have our, um, uh, conference calls on the phone with with the embassy before we're going, and and then with the State Department and and the envoys all together, just kind of going over the the program and the ideas, and then um, you know us having some say in what what could be helpful or or what works now and what doesn't work. I have a little experience if, if someone has a plan. I'll be like, okay, that I don't know if that's going to work. Or although the envoys are awesome because I feel like we're all very flexible. You know, like. Um, we, we pretty much have to go with the flow. Yeah. But I soccer think, players are great. Yeah. So I, th- I think, I think, um, what's been great, um, is the, the pre-planning and just having an idea of what to expect and, and offering, uh, feedback if we can before we get going. Cause each country is different. Every country is yeah. different. And honestly, every program that I've done has been different. Mm. So I kind of love hearing what, what's going to happen or what's planned, you know, cause I never know what to expect. And then, um, but, but like I said, when we, when we get there, um, I do, I feel safe. I feel like, um, everyone's invested in the program and they've good done turn a, out. Yeah, great turnout. Yeah. They've done a good job of, um, connecting and making sure that there will be a good turnout and, um, people know what's going on. I mean, I, I do think that we've been flexible and things have happened impromptu, but it's always been so positive on both sides. Like for the sports envoys always have been positive experience for us. I really see it as an exchange, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, I feel like we're going over there and we're there to, like I was saying, you know, my goal, one of my goals is to inspire, but the other goal of mine is to be inspired. And I always learn so much when I go on these trips from the people that I spend time with, um, whether they're from the embassy or, you know, a little kid that I'm, I'm playing with, you know, I've just, I've gained so much, so much knowledge and experience. Yeah. Don't think for a second, that's not part of the bigger picture is because you're, you're, you're selected for this because of who you are and your background. And when you come back here, we expect you to be an influencer and, you know, not brainwashed, right, but right. we want you to, to 
share your experiences yes. with with your roster with the right. campers that you engage right. during the summer here in the states right. talking about being a, you know you're a diplomat yeah. you're, you're a sports envoy and i and i love that i mean that's that's something i'm very proud of and i feel like it's such a privilege uh to be part of the program and to have that opportunity to be part of sports diplomacy. So um, it's something I'm so passionate about. It's really easy for me to speak of and to come back and, and talk about it. You know, why do you think soccer so widely played around the world? I mean, I think it's just, um, I think it's just an easy, easy sport. You don't need a lot of equipment. Um, and you just can play anywhere on any surface. And you've heard those stories of, of kids in villages and they make balls out of different types plastic of bags, yeah, or plastic string, ba- yeah. anything, yeah. right? Garbage, whatever. Um, finding ways to make it. So I, I feel like it, it connects to any culture and any economic you know, background and, um, you know, it just, it brings everyone together. It's easy to play. It doesn't require equipment and you don't need shoes and right, it yeah. brings so much joy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And those are, you know, not to put words in your mouth, yeah. universal values. For right? sure. And that's why, that's why I feel, um, I'm really lucky I landed soccer, you know, like I landed soccer cause it is so universal and it's so global and you can use soccer to teach all these life lessons around the world. And, um, and so I'm like, I'm glad that I have it's soccer that I'm involved with, you know, because it is so global. Um, what could the State Department do better? And don't don't worry, feel you're in a safe space here. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's something I'm. I, f- I really feel like maybe I have to like think about more. I mean, honestly, like pro- more. Do let's do more of them. You know, um, <laughs> good answer. Good. I, I, you I hear that, Congress? That, yeah, I think they're so beneficial, and like I said, in exchange. Um, uh, so valuable to the envoys and also to the the participants that are being involved when at the program um wherever we go um but i've had such a positive experience i'd really have to think about it hard to nothing pops out of the in my head right now except for thinking let's have more opportunities and you haven't just gone out for the State Department when you've represented your country. You had a really cool experience uh, during the last Men's World Cup. Oh, yes. Uh, to talk a little bit about that. Oh, well, that 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 could be like a book. Like, I feel like I could write a book on that. But um, <laughs> And you had a lot of advance warning that you were. Gonna- yeah, no advance warning. I was at my own camp, actually. I'm like, guys, I'm going to Brazil tomorrow. I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you showed up at the airport without about, a visa or or yeah. a plane ticket. Well, I remember you were like, you were like, Tiff, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm like, what do you mean? I just talked to protocol. They told me to go through security. And you're like, okay, well, you listen to them. Don't listen to me. I'm like, I'm out of here. I actually was this most amazing experience, like going through just the, <laughs> just from the moment that the White House calls saying you can go and to getting to the airport and going through Miami and then without a visa. And like, I actually wrote it all down. Like I was typing it on my iPhone. So I'm like, I cannot forget this experience. And there were so many things that were like, Oh, this is not going to happen. Oh, wait, it is going to happen. It was just this emotional roller coaster. But, um, you know, I love adventure and I love why not? You know, I'm always like, why not? Let's try it. So you were part of the White House delegation. Yes. It was the opening match? Opening, yeah, opening match um, of the Men's World Cup in Brazil and Rio. Brazil was playing. Brazil was playing. Um, 
Was it the Netherlands? No, or? it was, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm blanking right now. Um, I'm blanking on who, who we played, who they played, but, um, and you had just been there, right? For, well, yeah, yeah, I had been there and that's why we thought maybe our, my visa yeah. would still work. And then of course it had just expired <laughs> like 10 days ago, 10 days before. So, um, I mean, it was like out of a movie, the whole experience getting over to Brazil without a visa. Um, but it, um, it worked out perfectly, but, that what I learned from the experience is if you want something badly, cause I'm like, this would be an amazing experience, right? I got, we got to make this happen. So just being really flexible and going with the flow and you barely fingers had, crossed. you barely had time to pack. No, I really don't even think I packed. Like, I don't even know. I think I just threw some stuff and, you know, yeah, I didn't even think I just, I just went. But the, there, you know, the White House decided this was a major global sporting event. Mm-hmm. It was very important that there was a, a dedicated U.S. official presence mm-hmm. there. And you went with Dan Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. right? So, yes. Uh, who's now s- since left the administration. Yes. But yes. But even just, you know, meeting Dan, like that was a great experience. And um, I mean, what? Yeah, that is something that I'll I'll never forget. I'm very again honored and privileged to be part of part of it. Uh, we're uh, going to wind down now because we're actually at the, the Jefferson Cup. Here. We are, we are. There's <laughs> some great <laughs> soccer going on, trying to recruit some of these kids. <laughs> uh, all officially and and NCAA compliant. Yes, always, always. <laughs> always. Um, I, I guess so. What's next for for you? Um, well, I'm, I'm loving, you know, I'm at University of Central Florida. Um, I coach with my husband, still Tim, and uh, we love it. It's a, it's a great, um, it's a great career for us and we have a beautiful family and we can do both and How I many, think we have a great balance. We have two, two girls. Uh-huh. They both play soccer. I have high hopes. <laughs> no, everyone's like, what would you do if they don't want to play? I'm like, nothing. I mean, of course I'd love them to play. I just want them to be passionate about what they do, love what they do. And that's why I feel like I had a successful career because I always followed what I like to do and what I love to do. So that's just what I want them to do. But right now they love soccer, so it's working out. But yeah, so next plan, just continue to recruit and um, develop, you know, young leaders, these young women, hopefully continue to empower them. That's what I love about my job and college coaching is way more than just X's and O's. Um, I feel like I'm developing young women and, and leaders. So, and do you take lessons from Anson? Oh, of course. For him? I, I take lessons from him. I had this, a wonderful, um, professional coach, um, Marsha McDermott. Um, she actually played at Carolina too. Go figure. <laughs> um, but she's at a West Point now. Oh, good. Um, she's the head coach there. Um, she was a, a great, um, coach of mine. And so I take little pieces from all the coaches I've had, all the teammates I've had. And it's just really molded me into the coach and person I am today. So very grateful. Um, but yeah, I'm just hanging out at UCF, loving it and, um, continuing to do our, do the business there and hopefully continue to do our, you know, sports envoys and sports diplomacy and be part of the state department. Um, anything else to add or? No, this has been. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Unique, you know. This is great. This is great. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And, uh, And that's all for now. Okay.